0: Okay, everybody do this. Hold your breath for just a second. Pull your mask down and smile at the person sitting beside you. Don't breathe on them. Very good. I knew there were smiles behind those masks. I just knew there was after a morning like this. Boy, we are glad that you are here. Those of you online, we are glad that you're joining us online. We're not full in here. But it's a whole lot better than last Easter, let me tell you. <laughs> last Easter, there was, what, ten of us in here, right, Matt, Dave? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty lonely in here last Easter. So we are headed in the right direction. And uh, thanks to so many of you for taking the, the challenge and the risk and just for being here with us. It's so good to see old faces new again and to see people in person again uh, that we haven't seen for a while, and the kids are getting taller, and people have grown beards, and then everything's doing. No, it's just It's good to be together as a family, however we're gathering uh, this morning as a family. And I want you to do something as we get started this morning. I want you to use your imagination if you can. I want you to imagine that you lived about 2,000 years ago in Galilee, About the time this guy, Jesus, shows up, and you start listening to what he's saying, and you pretty quickly realize, nobody's ever taught like this guy before. And then you start seeing what he's doing, and where he's going, and you realize, okay, nobody's ever lived like this guy before. Then you see how he treats people, all people, and it's pretty clear, nobody's ever loved like this guy before. So you make the decision that you're going to follow that guy, Jesus, because that's what he's asked you to do. Uh, you follow him. And you turn away from your job, your, your family, your, you know, your home. All those things become secondary because you're so excited about following Jesus. And everybody tells you you're crazy, but you don't care because you're convinced that this guy is the one. He is the one that we've been waiting for, and you can, you're convinced yourself that this little community that you've attached yourself to is going to change the world one day. And for a while, it is this amazing adventure. You come to Jerusalem one Sunday, and everybody's excited. There's like a parade, and Jesus is entering the town, and everybody's shouting Hosanna in the highest. And it's like, this is as good as it gets. And then things go south quickly. By that Friday evening, the guy that you'd left everything for to follow is dead. He's not just dead. He's crucified on a Roman cross like a common criminal, which means failure, means despair. That's the end. Sunday morning, you go to the tomb because you don't really know where else to go, and there's some weird things going on at the tomb. The stone that was in front of the tomb, it's rolled away. And there is an angel there. At least you're pretty sure it's an angel. You've never seen an angel before. But you're pretty sure it's an angel. And the angel tells you, Jesus isn't here. He's risen. He's alive. And you go run back and tell the other Jesus followers, Hey, hate is out. Love is in. Uh, this, this, This carpenter from Nazareth, he really is the master of the universe. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. If you were hearing that for the very first time and you were convinced that the people telling you that knew what they were talking about, what word would you respond with? You know, last, year, last week we talked about the word yes, that all of God's promises are yes in Christ. But if I heard that message for the very first time, I don't think I'd respond with yes. And I don't think the first thing out of my mouth would be, interesting, or you don't say. I think the first thing out of my mouth would be, wow, wow. You know, wow is a word of wonder, it's a word of awe, it's it's a word that we use when we're stunned. It's a word that we use when we don't know exactly what else to say, right? When we're flabbergasted. When we're dumbfounded, when we're gobsmacked, (laughs) we don't know exactly how to explain or describe the word, but we all use it, we all know what it means, wow. That is going to be our word for today. Our word for today is wow. And our world is full of wows. Our universe was created with wow. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Wow. The sunlight that shines on us out here this morning, it it left the sun eight minutes ago. Wow. There are more stars in our cosmos than there are grains of sand on all the beaches in all the world. Wow. And then history is full of all these wow moments. The Wright brothers build a machine, and all at once, man can fly. And it's really just a couple decades later that we're watching Neil Armstrong walking on the face of the moon. Wow. Wow. I remember as a little kid at Pennsylvania Christian Camp, huddled around a little black and white TV, watching that moon landing. And all us little kids were just like, wow, Tampa Bay Bucks won the Super Bowl. Wow. Our world is full of wows. You stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon, you look at Niagara Falls, wow, I turn 16, I get a driver's license. I get to drive a car all by myself. Wow. My kid turns 16, he gets to drive my car all by himself. Wow. I meet a girl, an Alabama girl. I ask her to marry me. She says, yes. Wow. We get married. Instead of a honeymoon, we just stop at a rundown motel in Columbus, Ohio. She says, wow. Not in a good way. (laughs) The universe is full of wows. Our lives are full of wow moments. But this morning, I want to talk to you about the great wow. The wow that supersedes every other wow that you've ever experienced or heard of, and that is the wow of the resurrection of Jesus. And I want to walk through a couple truths with you this morning. Some things that you already know, things that are pretty simple But there's nothing simple and there's nothing ordinary about the the resurrection. And the first is this. The resurrection is what gives our lives meaning. It's the resurrection of Jesus that gives our lives a purpose. Philippians chapter 3, Paul says this. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I may have Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count on my own goodness or my ability to obey God's law, but I trust Christ to save me. For God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith. As a result, I can really know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from the dead. I can learn what it means to to suffer with Him and sharing in His death so that somehow I can experience the resurrection from the dead. You know, we all want meaning in our lives. We all want our lives to count for something, don't we? I mean, it's, it's just in our DNA. It's the way we're wired. It's not an option. It's like spiritual oxygen to us. We can't live without uh, some kind of meaning in our lives. But meaning is something that, that really, you've got to kind of have a larger context to be able to process. You know, a moment in time, is it really significant? Well, it's hard to say without a larger context. And then we can decide, okay, how significant was that moment in time? And I'll try to explain it this way. It's it's like some of our English language. There are words in our English language that you don't know the meaning of unless you hear it used in context. It can mean different things in different contexts. For instance, the word date. Is it a noun? Is it a verb? When I was in grade school, my teachers used to say, be sure and put the date on top of your paper. That's a noun. When I was in college, girls used to say, I don't want to date you. Let's just be friends. That's a verb. A verb of despair. Sometimes Martha and I have date nights. That's an adjective. But you know, you don't know how to what the word really means uh, unless you hear it in a sentence. You gotta read the sentence. You gotta read the paragraph. You gotta read the story. It's the same way with the events of your life. How significant is this event? Well, what's the context of it? You you lose your job. You think, well, it's the worst thing that could have happened. And then years later, you look back and you say, you know what? That that was kind of the best thing that ever happened to me. You meet somebody just in some random way. And years later, you look back and say, wow, how would we have known that we were going to be best friends? That random encounter. Or maybe you marry that person. I don't know. But it takes some context to know what that moment really means. Well, Every life in itself is is an unfinished sentence. So we all sort of wonder, does my life have meaning? Is my life counting for anything? And the world has an answer for that question. Probably not. Your life probably doesn't mean very much. You're really nothing more than a collection of muscle and... Tissue put in this random cosmos, uh, kind of a nanosecond in time. And in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't amount to anything. It's what the world tells us. There's no larger context to our existence, no meaning, no hope. There's no sentence, there's no story, there's no book. Your life doesn't really matter. It has no meaning of course, Jesus taught that your life absolutely counts and your life absolutely has meaning.
1: Jesus lets us
0: know that, that our story can be fixed into God's greater story, the larger story of love and grace and forgiveness. Now, Jesus came to this earth, He lived a perfect life, and then He's arrested. And he's crucified on a cross. And it seemed like that... Jesus' experiment was over. Seemed like that was sort of the end. And then, three days later, on Sunday afternoon, the tomb is empty. And by Sunday morning, by Sunday afternoon, Jesus is taking a walk on a road headed towards this little town called Emmaus, and he encounters a couple guys walking with him. And they start having a conversation, and these two men start telling Jesus about Jesus. But they don't know it's Jesus which is be kind of surreal, I guess. But here's how Luke describes it. These are these these two men talking to Jesus about Jesus. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. He was a powerful guy. He did amazing things. There were a lot of wow moments in his life. But then he gets arrested and he's killed. We had really hoped that he was going to be the one. You remember the women that ran from the tomb to the disciples, the men, and they told the disciples, He's risen, He's alive. Remember what the disciples' response was to them? It wasn't wow, by the way. It was, you women are crazy. Uh, Luke 24, read it. That's what they said. You know, the the words sounded like nonsense to them. You women are nuts. I mean, can you imagine a group of men dismissing a group of women? (laughs) Boy, aren't we glad that doesn't happen anymore. But it seemed like it was over to those men. It it seemed like to everyone. Rome won. The Pharisees won. And when the truth of that wow moment really sinks in, when they really realize that Jesus is alive, the disciples then have to go back and they sort of have to rethink everything Jesus said and did. Because it's all in a different context now. And so much of what they couldn't understand when it was happening, now it starts to make some sense. They start connecting some dots. Okay, he said he was going to, you could tear down the temple, he'd build it back in three days. I didn't know what he was talking about, but I think maybe now I do. He kept talking about this kingdom, and we're waiting for Rome to get, you know, overtaken, and and he said, no, it's not that kind of a kingdom. No, it, it's, a, it's a spiritual kingdom, and we didn't understand, but... But maybe now in the context of the resurrection, those things start making sense. And they go back and they start reprocessing all the things that they saw and heard from Jesus. If you're old enough, you will remember the movie The Sixth Sense with Bruce Willis. Remember that movie? Um, Bruce Willis plays a psychologist who is working with this little boy who lives in this life of fear because the little boy can see dead people. Only the dead people don't know that they're dead. And through his wisdom and through his compassion, Bruce Willis really kind of saves this little boy's life. And he teaches this little boy that, you know, this gift of yours, this life you're living, it has some meaning and some worth, and you can help these people. And then you get to the end of that movie, and there's this huge twist. And the twist is, Bruce Willis was dead this whole time? And you go, wow. Wow. But then after you learn that big secret, that big wow moment, by the way, if you've never seen that movie, don't waste your time now. (laughs) I've just saved you like a couple hours. But after you learn that secret, you want to go back and watch it again, don't you? And you watch it differently. Because now every scene, every line of dialogue, every moment, you're processing that knowing the end. You know what's going on now. So you watch it, and you you experience it on a different level. It's different. It changes the way you watch it. For the disciples, that's how it was with the resurrection. After the resurrection, they have to go back, and they've got to replay everything that Jesus said and did, but especially, especially the cross. The first time through, the cross looked like, Defeat. It looked like despair. It looked like the end. That was was the cross on Friday. On Friday, the cross was Satan wins. And that was the cross on Saturday. On Saturday, the cross was the Pharisees win. But on Sunday, the message of the cross changed completely. On Sunday, the message of the cross becomes. Love wins. Jesus wins. The resurrection changed everything. Now, all of a sudden, in a day, between Saturday and Sunday, the cross becomes this symbol of hope and life and salvation. That's why we wear it around our neck, right? That's why you have a cross hanging in your home. It's not a a message. It's not a symbol of despair. Now, it's a message of hope. It's a message of victory. It's a beautiful symbol of God's love and Christ's sacrifice. Years later, Jesus' good friend Peter would write this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A new hope, a living hope. Peter says, this isn't just hope, this is a living hope. This is hope with a name. And the name is Jesus. The resurrection gives our lives meaning. But it's even bigger than that. The resurrection changed everything. It is the hinge of history. To this day, we measure time, we measure dates by the life of this man who lived and died and who was raised again. And I mentioned that as individuals, we all have wow moments in our lives. Things happen to us. We go, wow. I don't know about you, but for me, all my wow moments, they haven't changed history. <laughs> Life goes on. Things happen to me, I still got to go to work the next day. People still are living and dying, and all that keeps happening. But there was this man named Jesus who taught that God was real. And God was loving, more loving than any father you could ever imagine. He taught that, that God cares about you, that he is infinitely good. And there was this amazing moment that was underway, this, is, this amazing thing that's happening. Jesus is, is gaining traction with this movement. And then he's arrested and killed. And it, again, it seemed like the movement was just going to come to a screeching halt. We had hoped. But then the resurrection happened everything changed. Ephesians chapter 1. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the wonderful future He's promised to those He called. I want you to realize what a rich and glorious inheritance He has given to His people. And I pray that you'll begin to understand the incredible greatness of His power for us who believe Him. It's the same mighty power that raised God from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Jesus' life of servanthood, his life of humility and self-sacrifice, his life of love, it wasn't thwarted by the cross. It was magnified by the cross. In fact, again, that's why it's turned out into the, the most recognizable symbol in human history. We don't have to live in fear anymore. And we don't have to live a defeated life anymore. You know, Nations come and go, civilizations rise and fall, but... The shadow of Jesus, man, it it has haunted mankind for 2,000 years like none other. He changed everything. And the same power that brought Jesus back to life is available to to people who put their faith and their trust in Him, which kind of leads me to my last point. The resurrection is deeply personal to you, to me. It is deeply personal personal. You know, I asked you to use your imagination. Imagine you lived in Galilee 2,000 years ago. But that's pretty hard to do, isn't it? Because we don't live in the first century. We live in the 21st century. And we're pretty wrapped up in our life. And we don't live in Galilee. We live in central Florida. And all those things that we read about in Scripture, it makes for a great story. But really, what's it have to do with my story? What's it have to do with me? And I know that we're all very different. But there are a few things that we all have in common. When I say all, I mean all. I mean all people everywhere have a few things in common. And one of the things that we have in common is unless Jesus returns first, none of us are getting out of here alive. I don't want to be the harbinger of bad news. I'm just telling you, You know, there's two dates on... Every tombstone, the date that you're born and the date that you die. We've all survived the first date, right? And we're all sort of waiting for that second date. And biblical writers talk about this a lot. Uh, The Hebrew writer says this, And just as it's destined that each person dies only once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ died only once as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, but not to deal with our sins again. This time, He will bring salvation to all those who are eagerly waiting for Him. Here's the truth about you. The biggest wow of your life has not happened yet. And I say that, and I don't even know what you've lived through. I don't know what you've seen. I don't know what you've experienced. But I will guarantee the biggest wow in your life hasn't happened yet, it's going to come after you die. The most amazing moment in your life is going to happen after you die. And we don't talk about it very much, but we should. And I think especially a day like today, it's a good thing to be reminded of ourselves. You've heard the old, old story about the little boy who comes running to his mother and he says, Mommy, Mommy, is it true that from dust we were created and to dust we'll return and She said, well, that's what the Bible says, but why do you ask? Because I just looked under the bed, and someone's either coming or going. (laughs) Welcome back, Mark. (laughs) I've missed you. Someone is always coming or going. We've survived the coming part, right? We've all survived our birth, right? Guess what? We're going to survive the going part, too. We're going to survive our death. Now, not these bodies, not this shell. It's it's not going to last forever. For some of us, it's not going to last much longer. I don't know. But the real me, it's going to survive my death. The real you, your spirit, you're going to survive your death. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, So we're always full of courage. We know that as long as we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord's home. For our life is a matter of faith, not of sight. We're full of courage. It would much prefer to leave our home in the body and be at home with the Lord. More than anything else, however, we want to please Him, whether in our home here or there. For all of us must appear before Christ to be judged by Him. Each one will receive what he deserves, according to everything he's done, good or bad, in his bodily life. Wow. One day we are going to stand before the Lord and we are going to either hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Wow. Or we are going to hear, depart from me. I never knew you. Wow. And God doesn't want anyone to hear, depart from me, I never knew you. Peter tells us that it's God's desire that all men everywhere come to repentance. So God says, I'm going to offer you grace. And I'm going to give you love and forgiveness. I'm going to be with you every moment of your life. I am right here with you. And then what I am promising you, and you can count on my promises, what I am promising you is a home with me in heaven. How does that sound to you? Wow. Wow. That sounds pretty good. But can I really trust him? Can I really trust that he's talking to me? And all those religious people, you know, okay, but what what about me personally? Well, all of God's promises are yes in Christ Jesus. So I know I can trust him, and another way I know that I can trust him The tomb is still empty. Jesus is alive. And that means that I get to live my story in the greater context of God's story. I get to live my life in the context of Jesus' life and His story. Because when I finally understand how it ends, and when I finally understand what's going to happen, it doesn't just change everything, it changes me. And when I really start believing, uh, Peter made a comment, we walk by faith, not by sight. Um, When I really start believing that, I'm going to change the way I live my life, too. Because when I really start understanding not just what happened on that weekend, not just the cross, and really not just the, the resurrection, when I really start understanding the love that motivated that for me, whew, Wow, I wanna fall more deeply in love with Jesus. I wanna love Jesus more and more. So, yeah, guess what? I'm gonna confess Him as my Lord, because that's what He asked me to do. Uh, Romans 10 and other places. I'm gonna repent of my sins, because I love Jesus, and Jesus is risen. Acts 17, other places. I'm gonna be baptized. Because I love Jesus. And Jesus asked me to be baptized. And it really is as simple as that. Acts 2.38, 1 Peter 3.21, Romans 6, other places. Because I love Jesus. And when I understand, when I really understand how much Jesus loved me, it doesn't just change everything, it changes me. It changes my life. It is deeply personal. Now, I want to wrap up this morning by just reading a bunch of passages to you. And I want you to listen closely. And I I told you to try to use your imagination. Then I said it's hard to use your imagination. But I want you to try to use your imagination again. I want you to imagine if you were hearing these passages for the very first time, in this realization for the very first time. And I want you to respond Some of you don't like to do that, but you can do it. It's okay. I want you to respond to these passages, and I don't want you to respond with a yes, even though that's a good word. I don't even want you to respond with amen, even though that's a really good word. I want you to respond with wow. And sometimes it will be a wow of unbelievable, and sometimes it will be a wow of how tragic. So, let's see if we can do it. As Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside privately and told them what was going to happen to him. When we get to Jerusalem, he said, the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. They'll sentence him to die. Then they'll hand him over to Romans to be mocked, whipped, and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead, and we say, Wow! What shall I do then with the one you call King of the Jews? Pilate asked him. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him. Wow. Here they crucified him, and with two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Wow. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. The sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. Wow. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to see the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, because an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled away the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who is crucified. He isn't here. He's been raised from the dead just as he said would happen. And we say, Wow. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Wow. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood before them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And we say, wow. And then those wows get very, very personal for us. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us and we say wow for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord and we all say wow and we all say it like we mean it wow That is a wow. That is the wow story of Jesus. The tomb is empty. That changes everything. And that changes me. Let's pray. Father, we think of the wonderful story of Jesus and it it leaves us searching for adequate words to express our amazement. And I don't know if wile is the right word or not, but your gift to us is so amazing. The death and the resurrection of Jesus means that sin, our sin, is forgiven. It means that death, our death, is taken care of. That we do have a hope, that we can have a purpose, and our life does have meaning. And we certainly have a message that love has triumphed over hate. The resurrection means that every loss is going to one day be restored. That you, mighty God, will one day wipe every tear from every crying eye. It means that sickness and sadness and grieving and mourning and and weeping, they don't get the last word. All because Jesus is risen. This day, Easter Sunday, every day, we celebrate that. It's in your son's name that I pray. Amen.